Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome. I'm Reverend Dr. Jerry Troyer. I'm the administrator for the affiliated New Thought Network, and I'd like to welcome you to our very special April speaker series conversation with Reverend Dr. Martha Creek and Reverend Dr. Carol Lawson. We're so glad you're with us. Uh, whether you're here live with us or, or watching and listening to the recording later, we're so glad you're here. I would like to open with a brief uh, prayer treatment. So I invite you to get comfortable where you are. <sighs> Cleansing breath if you like, and just join me in, in this wonderful, delicious, luscious, abundant light. And so we do that, we allow ourselves to be reminded of our oneness with the God presence with one another and with all of life. And we come together in great joy and gratitude today for the opportunity to Put everything aside for an hour or so to go apart a while and just luxuriate in this experience of wisdom of joy of great love and of oneness we give thanks for this organization called the affiliated new thought network we give thanks for our beloved reverend dr martha for the love and the joy and the wisdom and the vision and the passion that she brings us we give thanks for each person on this call today and each person listening or watching later, knowing that each of us is the beloved. So I wrap our time together in gratitude, love, and light, and together we say, and so it is. So I would like to unmute. I did it. Oh, fine. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> you could introduce me if you like, though. Oh, there's a good idea. So it is my great joy to introduce um, my beloved and our beloved Reverend Dr. Carol Lawson. Uh, she is the um, vice president for the affiliated New Thought Network. Ah, how cool is that? Thank you for that. That's graduation, my, my doctorate graduation from Emerson last year at the conference at Unity Village. Um, anyway, Reverend Dr. Carol is uh, the Anson Vice President. She is the coordinator for the speaker series. She is the spiritual leader for the Center for Conscious Living in Morristown, New Jersey. She is a beloved friend, colleague, and mentor, and a hot ticket. Uh, Reverend Dr. Carol, <laughs> all yours. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. I uh, love this picture and remind it just hit me today that it's of all three of us and we're together. Love that. Uh, I think that. Uh, most of you on this call uh, already know and uh, love Martha Creek. Uh, she lives her vision of being in service to those that serve. So as ministers especially, we're uh, particularly delighted, I guess, as uh, friends or as uh, people journeying uh, this road at the same time as Martha, all of us can be happy to know her. Uh, she's continuing to uh, manage speaking at churches uh, even in the lockdown and doing all this individual counseling and she's hosting two new classes online we spoke about it a little before we started uh, one on boundaries uh, on thursdays at 8 a.m and 8 p.m eastern when you could still join tonight and uh, although you missed the morning and uh, another on the beatitudes and a new look at the beatitudes on tuesdays 8 a.m and 8 p.m uh, the bio that I uh, put out, we did through Anton, and I'll just read you the short version here. Widely known in New Thought, Martha's trainings approach deep inner work as an adventure with a sense of curiosity and wonder. 
a master of the art of right questioning, she calls forth the most stubborn and self-defeating patterns to create a new way of being. She's ordained in religious science and in divine science. Uh, she served as a, a unity consultant, as a member of the Unity Institute faculty. She's been on the board of uh, Anton. She was the uh, chairperson of our conference last year and still is on the conference committee this year. Uh, she's uh, studied at Emerson, at the Byron Katie School, at Hoffman Institute. She's a healthy congregations facilitator, trainer. She's amazing. Uh, please check out her website, marthacreek.com. There are all kinds of videos, talks, inspirational meditations. Uh, set yourself free, it says at the very beginning, and you'll find uh, all kinds of things that are available to you with Martha. So this morning we are going to talk with this dear soul on uh, kind of defining moments in your life. Good morning, Martha. Hello. I love you, love you, love you. Glad you're here. Jerry posted in the comments. It's like, it's a family reunion. It's just the family that you like. It's the family that you actually want to be at a table with. So it's my absolute privilege to look around and see you here. And I um, know each of you through legacy or through learning and through loving. And that makes my tail wag in a very, very uplifting way. Perfect. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard you say something about just being, it makes your tail wag. And I've never forgotten it. <laughs> you know, our new uh, uh, Anton vision, I don't know that it's new, it's newly formulated and put up on the website about uniting the new thought movement. Um, through this conscious evolution of every member. And it struck me this morning, Martha, that that's so much of what you do. Um, you uh, have this, what, well, why don't you talk just a little bit about your role in the larger New Thought community and all of the things you do, because it feels like that brings it uh, really together. You're living this vision. Well, that has been my vision since my earliest remembering. So I knew as a small child, some of you have heard me say that, that I was a minister. So at three years old, I publicly declared that when, I, what am I going to be or what have I come to the world to be? It was a minister. So my family laughed at first. They thought it was cute and funny. And then it dawned on them, she's kind of serious. So then it got more frightening to them. And because particularly back then and to, even today, unfortunately, uh, and if there is unfortunate, um, that it's, there's no such thing as a minister, as a woman, no woman could be a minister. So it was quite shocking to them and something that was way outside of anything that they had considered prior to that. And I stopped speaking it, but as I uh, um, advanced, I decided I would do it when I was 40 years old, regardless of what I've acclaimed, attained, whatever I'm doing at 40 years old, it's over. I'm going fully into ministry and I'll serve whatever time on the earth I have devoted to that as a profession. And that's what I did. And I started looking around at or, um, seminaries and ordination processes and things. And they, they weren't a fit for me. Um, they were far too, uh, for me, into academia and, and gaining knowledge and all that versus transforming consciousness and transforming and, uh, the, and using the power of the causative generative part of the mind for a different experience of life. So as I started to speak about this to others, they said, oh, you're new thought. Oh, you should go to unity. Oh, you're religious science. So people started directing me out of their own commentary about that. 
So I started in religious science actually and got practitioner training, ministerial training, and then started serving unity churches without their ordination. And, <laughs> and I completed all of their requirements, uh, their ministerial education preparation requirements back then, 20 some years ago and didn't take their ordination path and got in touch through another um, um, mentoring called back then called Pioneers for Possibility. And through that, which was Barbara Marks Hubbard, Jean Houston, uh, Michael Beckwith, some of the leaders that were out writing books and doing the speaking. And I started telling them what I wanna do and that I'm not gonna do it this traditional way. And they told me about Emerson Institute. So I called Emerson. So I've been out in a unity world for 20 some years, I formerly and first trained in religious science. So, and I asked a lot of questions about their differences and what makes them different. And all I could ever come up with primarily was semantics in my own integration of it was primarily semantics. I went to a Silomar every single year. So that was my exposure there. And I went to Unity's conferences every year, the Association for Global New Thought, I've been a member of all these years for 20 some years. I attend the INTA conferences and support that level of new thought through their conferences and presenting at their conferences for some, including this year, which their conference is in July now virtual. Um, so I'll be presenting there again. And I got ordained a couple years ago in divine science, devoted some time and study to complete some basic coursework there that would be required. And then they had a reciprocal agreement because of my other ordination. So I have been working in the, and, and then affiliated New Thought Network was where I believed all along. I was a member of Anton, <laughs> being a member of Anton, because I thought being a graduate of Emerson made me a member of Anton. So now it's very, very important to me for us to, to, to differentiate that, to know it's two different organizations. They are in support of one another, but it was two different things. So when I was asked to, to uh, present at Anton and did, and there was good feedback from it, when I said they wanted me to come back the next year, I was invited and when somebody said, you may wanna look at becoming a member. Uh, so that was news to me that I wasn't a member. So each of the New Thought organizations, I have been member to, supportive of, participating in, attending, a speaking at and, and uh, lifting up in the world for over 20 some years now. So this bridging new thought is not something new for me. It's something I've been living, as you said, Carol, and, and expressing for a long time. So it's important to me and I'm pretty devoted to seeing it in my lifetime. So that it- <laughs> <laughs> And your uh, bandwidth is very broad. So that's quite possible that it, it'll do that. Well, we, you know, uh, you passed over a couple of things we've talked about or kind of labeled this defining moments. And I just wanted everybody to have that real sense of how connected you are in, in bringing all of these different, um, faction is the word in my mind and that seems wrong, you know, because all of these labels and boundaries and things are kind of falling away. We've, the pandemic has very clearly done that for, yeah. for us. Um, but speak just a little more as we touch on some of these defining moments, because I don't know that everybody, let's go back to that very first, you want to be a minister, Would and all of the education required, will you tell them a little bit more about your uh, family uh, of origin kind of uh, environment? 
Yeah. Well, my family didn't go to church and um, I wanted to. So my mother is a, a, certainly a pioneer woman of every, every class of consideration for pioneer woman. So I told her, I want to go to church. And she said, as, as clearly as this, then find you a way to get to church. So I did. You're very young and you're out, not in the city, oh, not near a church. Oh my God, out in the middle of the country, but even in the country, there's churches on every corner. So no worries. There's no shortage of churches, just which one is going to be a fit for me. And I started calling the neighbors up and, and going to those, go, and asking them, could I go to church with them? And I was prepared to walk to their house. So I, I didn't have enough um, daring in me then to ask them to come and pick me up. So I was willing to walk to their house even to get to go to church. And they, of course, was delighted that I wanted to go and was willing to pick me up. And the first church I went to, I got the creeps. Um, there was some particular person there, actually, that, which is a defining moment in my own life, too. And I said, I, I'm not going to go here anymore. And I told my mother when I got back that this man was creepy to me. I was just a little girl now. And she told me, oh, no, no, don't ever speak anything about him. You know, he's a high level somebody in the church, <laughs> whatever. And I so zipped it, didn't say anything else, but I wouldn't go back to that church. And later it came out that that particular man was actually molesting his children. So there was some kind of intuition, a vibe, or some kind of awareness I had, even as a small child, that I knew from that point that, that it's very important, very critical, in fact, for me to honor that, to honor that internal guidance like that. And that when I've done that through my life, I didn't regret it. And at times when I disregard that or try to bypass it in some way, I have. So that was its own defining moment. And then when I started looking at these seminaries, as I said before, that was a defining moment because yeah, I believe yeah. that um, I already knew which way it's going to go. And for Unity, for example, when I went there, uh, I got a clear guidance when the plane landed in Kansas City, Missouri. This was 20 some years ago. And I was, I mean, unleashed. I mean, whatever joy and passion I have now, like I finally had found my path. This was going to be it. And the clear internal, until this day, this day, 40, <laughs> 27, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> no, that I had the clearest, most direct no I've ever had in my life, that it was not this, no. And I had, um, I went right on through the process because I wanted to understand the process. I wanted to have the experience of the process. On the last day I was there, I went to that bookstore in Unity Village Bookstore. Most of you have been in there and bought something called You Are a Minister and read it in the Fillmore Chapel to everybody in that class, which was 40, and told them that they have been ordained. If they are truly ordained, they've been ordained by God. They're ordained through their own life experience, and they do not need an organization <laughs> to do that. And uh, good luck. Love How you. did that go? <laughs> fine and I don't know how it went for them you'd have to ask them how that went but I was clear as a bell that that's where what it was true for me where I stood on that and then I got a letter from unity that they call a redirection letter that said uh and so that might be your answer to it that went yeah. so well that they told me no thank you um and that they said I have not been the reason was one of them. There was a, there was two maybe or three. I can't remember. I, I told you I thought I wish I had the letter still. Yeah. Um, the first one was I haven't been in unity long enough to to do this. 
And it was, I'm grateful, 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 because it was not necessary. It was not necessary. It would have been conflictual for me to be there. It's like a square peg in a round hole. So it would have been hard on me and harder on them. And um, I have then since, of course, I didn't reapply. And I went right on about living it and teaching it. They're my principles. It's what I follow. And I've been serving church, Unity Churches professionally since that day um, with, without that. So another defining moment. And, and it's kind of nice that you didn't completely listen first. So many of us do that. Well, how about two out of three? We get the prompt. We get the thing. I say, well, are you sure? <laughs> so, yes. Well, and a I very defining moment. For you. I have to work at it. Yeah. But I know too. also. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you mentioned a, a, another defining moment as we talked um, about the divorce. Do you want to mention that, say that as something that yeah. kind of changed things for you completely? Yeah. I never had, as a, I was raised in a family that didn't go to church and I wanted to go to church. I also was raised in a family who didn't value education and they didn't see any need for it. My dad stopped in the fourth grade. My mother quit in the eighth grade. And she eventually went back though with encouragement and, um, and, and determination in her to get a GED primarily so she could serve as the president of her union in the factory <laughs> where she worked. So she had to do it. She had to meet certain protocols to get the position she wanted. So she got a GED, but my brothers both quit school. I'm the oldest of three and they both quit school when they turned 16 years old, which was a legal age then that you were no longer required to go to school in, the, in rural Kentucky. So I had this desire for education and I wanted education and I was going to continue education. So that was a big, like, my God, she is an alien uh, <laughs> family. And I was working a way to do that. Like, how am I going to do that? How would I pay for that? What scholarships are available and things like that. So education in itself was its own defining moment. Now add to it, I had no desire whatsoever to get married. And I knew at a, as a very young child, I was not going to have children. Under no circumstances was I going to have a child. No way, no how. And my fourth grade teacher, so I was 10 years old. And I publicly declared again, I'm not going to have children. And she said to me this, if you don't have children, you're not worth your own raising. If you don't have children, you're not worth your own raising. So I have very defining moment because mm -hmm. in my heart, I went, lady, that philosophy is yours. It is not mine. So I loved my teachers. I worshiped them. I was the teacher's pet. I was the teacher's assistant. Um, I was really something in their eyes and they were something in my eyes. And I was having no part of her philosophy of I have to have children. So I didn't want to get married either. And I say today that I ended up getting married in some attempt to be normal. I was so abnormal. Like, I, I'm, I want to do this. They don't want to do that. I, I value this. They don't value that. And it's like, okay, what could I do that could make me just normalize me a little bit? And of course, people that study horoscopes say, oh God, you can't be normal. You're Aquarian. Uh, so everybody's got their reasons for why I'm um, the way I am. So my closest friends, so we had a little pot of five of us, the five musketeers. 
close, close girlfriends, I mean besties, and all four of them got married when they were 16 years old. And I could not do it to save my life. So I kept putting it off. I'll do it next summer. I'll do it at Christmas. I'll do it next summer. I'll do it at Christmas. I'll do it when I graduate. So I'd put it off for two years and ended up getting married because I didn't know what else to do. And it was never true for me. And I literally vomited, vomited, physically vomited that, that day that I got married over and over. And it was like, I would describe now an abandonment of myself, an abandonment of my soul, of my spirit to do that. So that went on for five years. I married the only man I dated. And I, it was so dishonest to stay married that I couldn't do it anymore. And I didn't have enough self back then to do it for myself, but I had too much what the world would call codependency. Um, I had too much care for him to stay in the marriage because I thought it was so dishonest that I was robbing him of a life that he could have um, if he wasn't married to me. So, and I, and I didn't tell a soul. I went and looked at the law, what it was legal about it. I knew that I had to be separated 90 days. There was no children involved, of course, and um, anything, whatever I'd purchased was in my own name. Um, so it was, it, was, it was pretty easy to do. He also, um, that man threatened suicide. Um, so that was a big defining moment in my life. And his brother had committed suicide and his other brother, his only other brother was in an institution, a psych ward institution for mental illness. So it was very probable that he might. And I was able to have enough self to say, uh, I won't take responsibility for your life. I don't want you dead. I don't want you to kill yourself. And I will not assume responsibility for your life. And that was um, in 1983. And I've, not, I've been single since then. And he didn't take his own life. We need to take a deep breath, I think, on that defining moment. It's just, to me, Martha, this idea that from three, you have known some this deep inner voice about what you're here to do is uh, amazing. And then each of these things as defining moments kind of moves, moves the whole thing forward somehow. Um, I wonder, um, are they, as we look at defining moments, are they choice points or is it somehow surrender to this larger thing that's falling through, flowing through? That's another conversation I'd say or another workshop because we could talk <laughs> on if there's real choice or not you know if there's choice and if there's choice then yes there was a choice point and if we have free will then that's to be determined between individuals whatever they believe or not about having choice or free will that's up to y'all to decide that um, and I go back and forth at times I feel like I, I really had a choice here and if there's times I have no comprehension of having any choice. And I even get a sense sometimes that um, I'm on an assignment. So I'm here to do what I've already agreed to do or been assigned to do. So I'm here to fulfill that, 
not to make choices about it. So in that, from that context, then it could be, and that could be something interesting for us all to look at is that the DVDs already burned. So I can either be mad about the DVD and how it goes, or I can get a glass of tea and kick back and see how it unfolds. <laughs> have a little more, and have a little more freedom in it. Lovely. That's long been a question back and forth for me on both sides as well, about whether this is a choice or in some deeper context, when you're letting it all flow through, then it's just kind of a sidestep. It seems to me at three. That's why I, I really wanted you to share that. At, at three, in a, in a family that has, doesn't do that, has no inclination, there'll be no discussions of it, certainly not as a woman doing it if there ever was church mentioned. For you to know that um, yeah, feels also, like it is that deeper calling. That's yeah, an assignment. Also, at that same age, three years old, and I know I was three because my granddaddy was alive and he died when I'm three. So that's really the only way I've had any tracking on when was that? How old was I? That so it had to be three or younger because he died when I was three. The man that was my maternal grandfather, who I was, we lived in the house with, and he was how I defined love. Um, and I remember, um, in that looking a clear, clear, dif di distinct defining moment in this life that I looked around that household and had this clear, clear, powerful thought of, oh, hell, I'm the oldest one here. Mm. And that's then the role that I took on the role as the oldest. And of course it was a perfect storm because I'm the oldest in my sibling order born to two youngest. And I don't know if y'all study family systems or the role of the, the sibling order and what's passed down in those generations, but there's real trackable scientific di um, dynamics discussed and disclosed around the sibling position and how we are in the birth order and what it's like for an oldest and the only girl to be born to two youngest in their sibling order. So it was a perfect storm that I got to be the CEO at three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for all of you that I've boiled over over the years, I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm just asking for grace because <laughs> it early and the, and the roots run deep about this bossiness and this taking charge and, and that, that was done more out of a back then of a survival mechanism um, than a, yeah causative creative potential mechanism yeah i mean how does somebody at that age get themselves off to school and all of the education you had if nobody values it in, in any way mm -hmm. uh, you had to be in charge it's very interesting to me it's very yeah. interesting yeah. and, and I, I even as i said it there's nothing absolute so like my mother didn't value education enough to pursue you know uh, keep going for her she quit for whatever reasons pressures and she would talk openly about why she didn't want wasn't going to go to school anymore but she valued it enough that she what was she taught me and she would sit with me for me to make my letters and things like that things that was important to me um so it, there's nothing absolute as i speak it so to say somebody didn't value ed ed education it's not true but to say she didn't value education in the way that i did um and my family didn't value education in the way that I did. So this is not about rapping on my family or even judging them. Oh, we were, no, not at all. We were here wired very differently and with different um, goals 
and different preferences about how we're going to be with them. Yeah, lovely. So in, in all of this, um, what are some of the things that you think uh, might be important for us to remember as we have our own defining moments or, uh, you know? Yeah, well, and, and talking about this before in different environments, it's like something happened in most of our lives, I believed. I believe that either we came in with the calling, which is what it feels like with me, that I came in with awareness of, I am on an assignment, I'm here to do specific things. And I'm also witnessed that there was things in people's lives that happened that caused them to become what they become, to become the professions they are. Like something that would happen in childhood that would say, I'm going to, I'm here to be a nurse, or I'm here to be a doctor, or I'm here to care for animals. So that even as, as during our childhood, we already had some incline for these things, aptitude for this, gifts and talents, things we've been given by creator, by God, life, universe, whatever you call it, that we have, we have these God-given, creator-given gifts and talents, skills and aptitudes, and we don't have what each other had. So I will never have the gifts you have. I will never have the gifts somebody else has, and you won't have mine. So it's like then we can either work with the gifts we had and really have, have, and develop them um, to work, to lift them up and to develop skill with those gifts that we have or be mad and grumpy and irritated and frustrated and pitiful because we didn't get their gifts or his gifts or her gifts. And I believe I've listened to people say, yeah, this happened to my life and that's the day I knew I'm going to be a nurse that I'm gonna do this differently. That's the day that I knew I'm gonna serve a human resources department. This is the day that I knew I was here to care for animals. So I bet if everybody on the call could sit and identify some defining moment in their life where they knew that they too were here to serve humanity in some more specific way. And I believe, and it's, it's obvious, um, that that shifts, that it could be for a time. For a time, I'll be in the role of mother. For a time, I'll be in the role of teacher. For a time, I'll be in the role of doctor, nurse, Indian chief, lawyer, whatever it is, dentist. And that's not who we are, but a role that we're in. And that they definitely shift over time as we grow and develop and access more gifts and lift up our gifts and get honest about what we're really interested in and honest about what we're not, like what doesn't make our tail wag. And eventually to say, I've, I've, got, to, uh, I've got to stop doing so much out of duty or responsibility and do what really uh, creates a life for me that I'm going to look back on a deathbed and either go, oh, my goodness, I, I wouldn't have done that that way. Or, oh, I wish I could redo, have a little redo there. Or like, well, I'm really glad I did that. Like I can look back on life and go like, well, really glad I did that. Or like, mm, I could have done with that about three, three rounds around that mulberry bush. And of course, it's not true. We couldn't have done it without it. It was necessary. And we can also learn, I can learn from it. And I think others can too, to see then I don't want to wait till my deathbed to do that kind of reflection. I suspect there's some of that in your boundaries class. We we mentioned that just before we started recording. Why don't you uh, just, and it just came up for me now to mention the boundaries, which is Thursdays. 
8 a.m. and 8 p.m. I bet you're talking about some of that stuff. We do some, and it's real practical. I mean, it's nuts and bolts and practices and things to, to, for us to, even if we're doing it and doing it fairly well, to find just a way to turn, dial that up 10 degrees, <laughs> just, to, just to lift that up, just to uh, get, get a little tighter with that or a little looser maybe would even be a better word. And all of this is at MarthaCreek.com. And in there is how to get to it, the emails, you, I mean, the uh, Zoom links you need, the passwords and all that. It's also a way to sign up to subscribe to the newsletter. And then you'll get once a month only, just once a month, you'll get something that says, here's the kind of the happenings for the month. Then you can participate at whatever level. Then there's a YouTube channel and you can subscribe to that. So then anytime a new video gets posted, you'll get a little email about it. So it really then, it requires though you to step in if this teaching is resonant with you or what you think I'm about in the world is resonant with you, go to this marthacreek.com and to that YouTube channel and, and tap into there. And you certainly can use all of that for your own teaching, for classes, like your, I, I put it out in the world, it's free and you're welcome to teach from it, preach from it, use it for classes, share it with people, do anything you can, because my vision is to get our teachings to the whole of the planet. To the and, whole. you know, she works a lot, but give her a little help. So go ahead and use this. Yeah, well, <laughs> because it's like when you think about it, like I can reach this many with great effort and passion, devotion, I can reach this many, but then we can reach this many. And then through organizations and lists and all that, then it's, it's absolutely possible to reach humanity with these teachings. And yeah. I, I know then that y'all are co-inspirators with me to do that, <laughs> so. Marley put a couple of comments in, which says the boundaries class is mind opening, the Beatitudes class is awesome. So uh, just if you weren't on the uh, beginning of the call, these are the two classes that Martha has open now. You have several others that are running for the whole year, but are, are closed, I think, probably. I can also, some of the churches now, I, I've been booked so far in advance, like I'm booked a year and a half in advance, so people get a weekend and they kind of own it, then they just hold it and keep doing it again. So I've not been available physically to go to some of these places, and Margaret has waited, Carol has waited, Elizabeth has waited. There's many of you on here that's like, just what year is it that you could come? You know, don't like, give away my weekend. Exactly. And don't give away my weekend. So now with this virtual world, I'm bilocating for the first time in my, in my history, but it's a dream come true. So this Sunday, I'll be presenting in Garden Park, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> the following week, I'll be in Alberta, Calgary, and in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. So, and with, uh, with Jean Sweet over in Helena, Montana. So, um, I can zoom you, you can zoom me in if you want to do that. You can also, I've got a series of talks made um, that are relevant, particularly for this year and time, I think, that's, that's grounded in the basics of our principles. And I can send you one of those talks if you do it more from a recording. So, that's available too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So it's quite wonderful. You know, I want to mention um, something because I'm sitting here looking at a card. I want to mention your Upper Creek art. Uh, the, uh, uh, and there's a quote from, from that. She says, my sincere desire is for you all to be reminded of what you love, where you love, and why you love as you journey through just some of the thousands of pictures I've taken over the years. 
And uh, that's on her website as well. The one that I have here to remind me to think about it is, who would I be if I was willing? And I, I just uh, feel like bowing at your feet, Martha, because all of these stories show you being willing, being willing to just take the next step to follow that prompt to uh, do whatever's next. And uh, it's kind of a beautiful testament to what happens when you're willing. Well, thank you, Carol. And that means the world to me because that, that one sentence has served me daily for decades. In this situation, what's another option for me? In this situation, I do not love this. I do not love this. I do not like this. <laughs> and in this situation, how else can I see this? What if I am willing for this? What would that shift? And it leaves me more access to the higher room, to higher consciousness, to the upper room, the throne room, whatever you call it, that in those questions that will do anything to short circuit the instinctual reactive tendency and pattern to regress, to get panicked, shut down, afraid, terrorized, that one question considered has to access our cognition and our higher resource to innovate, create, cause, generate the basics of our teachings. And if I was willing here, how would I proceed? If I was willing for this. What else could be done? What's another option for me? How else can I see this? What can I do? And it holds such power because it's like, I've lost my job. What am I going to do? Or I've lost the job. What am I going to do? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, Janine's written that too. In this situation, what's another option for me? How else can I see this, all of this? Um, you're, you're welcome to if you have a question or is there something else you'd like to have uh, Martha be talking about, um, you're welcome to put it in the chat. Uh, I know that she's always uh, open and available to uh, to answer things for people as we kind of look at our other, our own defining. You know, to say that, Carol, I'm also available. If I can personally help you in some way to just mentor you a little bit or tormentor you a little bit, I'm all in. So you can go right over there to that website, marthacreek.com, and hit schedule with Martha, contact Martha, and plop your name into my schedule. And just have a little chat, ask me questions, or gain a little insight for a situation you're in or something. I can't, I don't have, my wisdom is for me. <laughs> but I have some approaches that will activate your wisdom and that will draw forth your own wisdom through facilitation in that. So you're welcome that many of you that's been on the, that are on the call here with us today have already experienced that. So you already know the power of just like cutting through some of this and um, you're welcome to it. I mean, remember my calling is to serve those who serve. So I bow to you in the ways you're out in the world, leading and teaching and writing and books and curriculum and singing and art and uh, praying and mind treating, facilitating, like it's, it's endless. And it, then it's the fulfillment of my own heart's calling to bolster you up, to serve you in some way. So you can do it directly through little things like this, or you can just go plop you in a little appointment and we'll have some tea and see what kind of uh, BS we can undo.
belief systems. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. I, I just took a look at the gallery view to be sure I saw Jan or somebody else that wasn't able to uh, put things in the chat, but I don't see a hand raised. So um, we'll uh, let me know. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to hear from Martha? And if you've got insights from listening today, you can share those too. Like what are, what's your takeaway from listening to all this rambling about a, one life? So how can you apply it to your own or what's some defining moments you can share with us that you believe that would bless us or uplift us in some way? That's certainly opened the field for that too. Just wave your hand like that and Carol will call on you. Like what's your takeaway today or some new insight you've got from this? or they might need to unmute themselves. There's a number of people on the call, Martha, so I, I can't see all the uh, mm -hmm. faces at once. Mm -hmm. I'm trying here. But. And then continue to hold Anton in prayer, certainly. We're in a, a, a still a great big creative process for that. Um, a new uh, a website that's being like the nuts and bolts of that, kind of being mm -hmm. of that being ironed out right now. So stay tuned for that a big extra big launch we've had a, like a soft launch of that so we'll have a great big launch of that that we're real proud of and what Anton and his board and its leaders have committed in this conference that we, as far as we know we'll still hold but we're being informed by the time and place and what's going on in the world certainly we'll have to make decisions based on that but you definitely want to get to this conference some any way that you can find a way to get there and and put that information out Mitch Horowitz and Paul Selig and Mel Melissa and Z all keynoting and doing music and that plus this family here a majority of them that'll be here to um, um, be in communion with and community with all sorts of ways and Anton.org is the uh, website. Yes, Gary just put it up there it's in it's in the chat and um, a question, Martha, for you, um, are there, what kind of things do you think it's important for us to remember in the middle of this uh, global wake-up call? Yeah, um, I think what I spoke about earlier, like this came in a reading of, uh, that I got in preparing for the Beatitudes class, actually, and it was a quote from Meister Eckhart to, to to hold in the front of our minds this place of nothingness, this place of stillness, this place that is ours, that's untouched by this, that's untouched by illusion, that's untouched by mistakes and the notions of sin and that, that there's a place in us that belongs wholly, wholly belongs to God, to creator. And that it's ours and that it is it is the highest of times right now to spend more time in that room or at least going in that direction with all the distraction and with all the allure to um, um, look somewhere else and to judge something and blame something and pin the cause of this somewhere else versus saying that it's more time now and even if we're, as we're meditating like the meditations we've used, some, all of you have noticed this, that your meditations, that you make it used a three minute meditation, you're good to go again. And you meditate three minutes and you're not ready to go again. Like, so three minutes might have to become five minutes. It may have to be become my meditations become open eye meditations. 
that it can't be on a cushion with my little ohm position. It's got to be more in a walking meditation or a, a, while I'm cutting vegetables meditation. So whatever bandwidth we've been running on these deep, meaningful spiritual practices have got to be dialed up through this time. And for me, uh, I, the best thing I know to do is to be quick to offer grace to yourself during this time, to be the first and to be quick to offer grace to yourself because it's written about the psychologists are writing about it a, a great deal now that we're in a time and a phenomena that is not to be understood to quit trying to understand what we cannot understand and to quit trying to make sense out of things that don't make any sense now this is bug tussle lay it out um <laughs> straight up grassroots what stop what not to do which is to stop trying to make sense out of things that don't make sense and to accept we can't understand it and to so whatever's worked for me in the past is not going to work right now this is not business as usual so I'm going to have to look daily even or moment to moments during the day to see how am I going to be with this and keep my functioning up because as anxiety goes up functioning goes down so the higher anxiety goes the, the more I've got to keep some balance in my own functioning so let's hear from some of y'all. What are you doing to make the difference? Because, you know, we read this week, people are having trouble focusing. You may have noticed that already. It takes twice as long to do anything. You just don't have the bandwidth that you used to have. So let's hear from some of you all. What are you doing already? To just to finish up and then we'll go through some of the comments, gives people a little bit of time to write in the chat, Martha. But I was reading the, Paul Zellig book, the first one, The Word I Am Word, yesterday. And they're talking about that same thing you were about this, the space in the front. They said, picture in front of you your perfect self, your high self, your as you're created by the divine. Everything absolutely glorious, wonderful. Picture that. Picture that. And then see that becoming more and more embodied in the space that we're in now, in the body that we're in. If we're talking about having the Christed self uh, coming to be present on the earth, you know, we are the hands and feet of God. And it was a wonderful thing they were suggesting before you go to bed at night, in the morning, seeing that perfection, and then allowing as we move our vibration a little clearer this more stillness that you're talking about so that yeah. that can be embodied yeah that's one example so janet put forth a question about to offer some insights for ways that we can see this stay at home time in a new light so i can tell you for me it it was like um a new insight for me to see it in a new light so how can you see this time out this time uh, in home through a different framework. And I've seen it absolutely as a, a, the most um, perfect potential for my gifts ever. So all the time that I was spending getting from one city to the other city, to the next state, to the next state, to, for planning these next things, all of that energy has been directed into presence. It's been directed into teaching. It's been directed into creating classworks, courseworks. It's in videos, getting video preparations of, of teaching people Zoom. 
So all of that energy that I was, that I have, that's a high energy, like an, like an energizer bunny kind of energy that was being expended out in the world doing these things has all been redirected. So I see it then that it was a, a, an, a critical use of my energy in a critical time. So that's a way that I've got a new framework around it. I also got back in touch, seriously back in touch with how much silence and solitude that I thrive on. Silence and solitude. So it was a reboot of myself, a restart for my own um, being, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical reboot, a restart for me. So that gives me a new framework to look on, look through just exactly how necessary this was. And we've got some comments here. Thank yeah. you, Andrea. You want to read them, Carol? Uh, I can, or Jerry, uh, that's Diane Hunter. First, after my commitment to the boundaries class last week, I've done some experimenting for myself and found that I've needed to do deeper breathing and more focused breathing meditations. Yeah. And, so and Part of the boundaries class includes looking at something. How can I have more boundary around my mental boundaries? Thoughts I'm going to entertain, thoughts I'm not going to entertain, thoughts I'm not going to, like it's a dead end street. And then how to have some more new, new and more profound mental boundary, some new and more profound um, emotional boundaries. Like I'm not going to be willing to share all, all of my emotions with all people. I'm going to share emotions with people where I think there's actually a receptor for that. And, that <laughs> and our relationships can't bear this. One relationship cannot bear the kind of intensity that most of us are having now emotionally, be it the grief, the loss. Um, and, and there's loss in everybody's life, whether people are dying or not. There's a great loss and grief that, it, that is a depth that has not been felt by anybody in this lifetime. So the deepest losses we've had that cut, cut, cut the heart that we're in that renewed grief of that, whatever grief of left was that, and a new grief that's unheard of. That, um, and the Beatitude for the week that may be beneficial for some of you, it's a metaphysical interpretation of the Beatitudes, but it includes, and I've watched this in my life, particularly in the new thought arenas of this fake positivity and this denying emotion and suppress it, depress it, disown it, deny it, pretend, that's bit us in the butt. I believe as a movement also, it's, it's like you're welcome to come to my church as long as you're happy, happy, happy. <laughs> uh, when you're anything but happy, 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 you're going to have to find somewhere else to go. Uh, and then, of course, people can't do that because this, we're in 100% humanness and 100% divinity and the messy middle of that the messy middle of that humanness and the we, we do get attached and we do want people to live and we do want to have jobs and money and, and success and businesses and, and we want to get our way. Um, and when we don't get our way and there is real loss and it comes out in very extreme ways, this, this loss, so whether or not we're, I think whether or not we can identify grief that we're in a collective grief experience some sort which means those that can regulate that to a degree not suppress it depress it and disown it to have a real potential 
to being way showers and uh, light shedders and, and the light of the world for people that um, are, are, deeper, are deeply affected by this and are deeply into this. Mention that um, Margaret is asking for a class on Mondays because she teaches on Tuesdays and Thursdays and not 8 a.m. Now I'm sure she doesn't teach at 8 a.m. So there's always that possibility, but I yeah, she does. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, well, I'm, I will look at it, Margaret. I've already got three classes on Monday that are closed group, uh, so it's a little harder for me on that night. But I want, there is one on Monday that's not public, but I'll put it here in the field. Uh, if you'll just email me, Martha Creek at Gmail. It's a Monday at noon class just once a month, second Monday of the month at noon Eastern, and it's called Infinite Potential. And the people, it, the people that are on my distribution list got that. And you're all welcome to be on the distribution list. You would just have to enroll yourself by going to MarthaCreek.com and, and subscribing to the newsletter. But if you email me directly, I'll add you to that group. And that's Mondays at noon. And we'll be doing that through the rest of the year. See, you ask and the answer is provided. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, Reverend Andrea. And the... Uh, She's saying, I've certainly noticed emotions are just on the surface and it does take twice as long to do things. And that's, yes, yes. Uh, so many um, additional things to consider with normal activities, uh, which, and also many benefits to these changes. Well, and then to, to allow some space for that, which is what I meant by be the first to extend grace. Like the irritability is up, frustration is up, just a bristliness. And it's like, there's no, it doesn't have to be a known cause for it, but it's like, it's a phenomena. It's a phenomena. So we're in a force field of this. So then keep some good, strong, stricter boundaries with yourself, as well as a great deal of grace. And then some of the others on the other class said, um, including one of you, uh, that, you know, at some point I just couldn't do anymore. So I just sat down and eat a, I just sat down and ate a frozen pizza and drank some wine. So there. So it's like, you better give yourself a little opportunity to do some of that. It could be binge watching some nonsense show or something that you, it's just not spiritual enough for you. And it's like, well, quit trying to be spiritual for a minute and just take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. And know to the degree that you do that, you're going to shed more of a spiritual light. So I would encourage us to drop some of these notions of being spiritual and know that I'm already that. I can't, I don't have to work at being spiritual. I'm a spirit, I'm a spirit, I'm a spirit as I can be. And I've got some physical things I could really take care of, including my own emotions and my own heart and my, and my uh, uh, physicalities or anything else that's going to keep my mind from being as, as uh, wily as it can be when it gets anxious. Yeah, and I think that answers a lot of the other questions about the, don't have a shutoff valve when it comes to eating or this uh, idea of unacknowledged loss and uh, uh, toxic positive, positivity, spiritual bypass. Yeah. Uh, so acknowledging the loss, that could be helpful, whoever wrote that, to acknowledge there is loss. And whether it, it, your, their loss could be like over the top, and it's like your loss could be here but that's the part that's got you in a bind so it's like regardless of if it's like it's because one woman the first week of this was devastated because her two-year-old couldn't have its birthday party 
And it's like, oh my God, doesn't she see the serious nature of this crisis? I mean, God, it's like, no, no, she couldn't see anything other than how devastated she is because her two-year-old couldn't have the birthday party that they had worked hard for, saved money for. Everybody was coming. Grandma will be there, all the aunts and uncles, and now they can't have it. And then my friends did weddings that same week. This is the first week of this. And she, they both said it was like being at a funeral because the brides couldn't quit crying because this dream wedding they had out Isn't was it? now to the two of them and a minister. So this is, and, and if whatever it is, a business, a loss, loss of income, like not knowing what I'm going to do with these people that are in my house that I could only tolerate for 10 minutes that are here now. It's like, like we've got some serious matters to deal with here. Like, I'm just a, I'm just a thought away from, you know, kicking them in the shin. So uh, it's no little thing to admit there's loss and then to keep my, finding very masterful ways to close the gaps on that before it gets higher and higher and higher. Beautiful, Martha. Beautiful. All of this is just, uh, uh, just plain uh, down home sense. And, uh, <laughs> that's, my best. And, that's my favorite feedback. You know, she's so practical. <laughs> well, but my sense is that it's, it's both. And you mentioned it. It's the human and the divine. So there is, there is that cherishing awareness that runs through everything you say, which is a, another beautiful word for God. There is that uh, limitless letting it flow, knowing what you're prompted to at, at three and allowing that to go at the same time that it's practical, wait, wait. If it's uh, don't be so spiritual, just go sit down and watch your TV or do whatever it is or take yeah. a Put your open the front door. I did one morning. Just open the front door and just have some fresh air in my face. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. So I want to acknowledge you all again for being here. Our time is up, and it means the world to me to know you're out there, to see you here, to think about you. I pray for you often, and what you're doing out there in the world. I wish you the best and the best, and even better than the best, better than that. And if, again, an offer, if I can serve you in any way to get directly in touch with me for that. And then if this serves you, this kind of dialogue or, in, you know, just little chats or the information that comes through these speaker series, send a donation for this over to Anton. Because it's like then those donations are what keeps all of this going. It's what keeps us uniting the New Thought Movement and making things like this possible for people. So Anton.org. Mm -hmm. and marthacreek.com yeah. and so let's just take this final moment as we come together in this glorious limitless field of infinite love and light of wisdom and of grace just giving thanks for this time together giving thanks for the defining moments in each of our lives giving thanks for martha creek and her life and the way she shares it so willingly with all of us Deep gratitude, giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks. And so it is. Amen. So it is. Oh, thank you, Carol. You know, it's so important to me. There was one defining moment we didn't get to that will 
I bet it's a defining moment for every single one of you. The day that I called Emerson Institute and said, I'm not going to put up with these protocols for all these other programs over here. What can you offer? Angelo Pazello, Dr. Angelo Pazello answered that damn phone when I called immediately and said, we'll find a way. We will find a way. So whatever you're asking, the answer is yes. So that was a defining moment in what path I took. And it's still a defining moment till this day and the path I take today, which is my core, core belief, my core, core assignment, which is find a way. And Emerson represents it. And Angelo and Stella Pazello and what they're doing out there is are the beacons of that. And here, I, here. Here, what, here. We're, <laughs> what we're doing here in Anton and what New Thought is doing to a degree are is similar in that in the way of their of our beaconness. <laughs> oh Martha, perfect words were never spoken. Oh, you are so right about Emerson. And yes. I, I I too embrace the love that the Pazillas send our way so much and everyone else. Love so and light, everyone. <laughs> We thank you all for being